0: Welcome to Portal to Ascension Radio. Together we will embark on a journey of awakening and exploration. I'm your host and the founder of Portal to Ascension, Neil Gore. Since 2008, we have been dedicated to providing a stream of awareness on a range of empowering and consciousness-raising topics. Through our events, webinars, conferences, retreats, and workshops, we bring together a community of researchers, spiritualists, archaeologists, consciousness explorers, and other experts who share their knowledge and insights. Our platform serves as a resource for discovering the ancient origins of humanity unraveling the truth of the extraterrestrial presence, holistic wellness, exposing hidden truths, and expanding our awareness beyond the third dimension. On our YouTube channel, you will find full-length presentations and interviews that dive deeper into all you experience on this podcast. Search for Portal to Ascension on YouTube. On Portal to Ascension Radio, we feature captivating discussions, interviews, and presentations. Our guests are all featured on our website, portaltoascension.org, where you can sign up to receive free access to hundreds of presentations covering the diverse awareness we explore. Portal to Ascension Radio is here to guide you on this extraordinary quest as we shift into the next octave of existence. We appreciate and love you. Let's get into today's discussion. Hello, hello, everybody. This is Neil with Portal to Ascension. So good to be here with you all. Very excited for today's show, today's podcast, and I'm going to be bringing on Mia Magic today. And Mia just came on, so we only had like 10 seconds to chat before this. And I'm really excited because I've actually wanted to connect with Mia for quite some time now, for over a year. And so I'm excited to have this conversation with her and really to get into Mia's work. So this is a highly anticipated for me conversation. And I'm very excited, a little bit nervous, and just really happy to be here and just to delve into some interesting topics today because we're going to be going deep. And the individual, Mia, who we're bringing on, miamagic.com with a K, um, I'm going to read her bio in a second. And she speaks on so many topics. Everything is kind of like a check for me because she speaks on witches, dragons, tantra, religion, pagan rituals, connection to earth, really bringing it full circle. And also bringing this awareness, like in the way that she's bringing this information and awareness is very unique compared to many other people in the field that is bringing consciousness and an awakening to the planet. And I have noticed that she's reaching out to, a whole new audience of people that are really attracted to what she's created what she's cultivated for herself and the style that she brings so we'll be reading mia on in just a second and i just want to say hello to everybody tuning in on the podcast we're live on multiple platforms and also um you just saw the trailer for on the podcast you only obviously heard the the music but you just saw the trailer for our annual ultimate Starbeans conference which is going to be taking place on the 12th so four days January 12th to the 15th, 12, 13, 14, 15. And it's going to be 10 hours a day online, 33 presenters, completely free, the Ultimate Star Beings Conference. And it's really about moving the conversation to we're not alone in the universe to what are the messages from the stars. So if you guys are interested in that, go to portaltoascension.org, sign up there. And um, we're going to be live on YouTube and many other platforms. So you can you can subscribe and you'll get notifications for that. And if you're new to Portal to Ascension, we do over 100 events a year, conferences, tours, retreats. We're doing a conference in Glastonbury. I'll show you the trail at the end of today's show. And um, basically just infusing the timeline with consciousness from every level and all types of information, which is why, again, I'm excited to be bringing Mia Magic on because she really does bring this awareness from many different angles, creating what I would feel is a full circle Um picture really from different angles and aspects that you know are for different people we all have different ways to come into this information for me it was quantum physics through science you know I was a thinker the thoughts and the information brought me into my heart for other people their feelers are connected to earth so we all have different ways and that's why there's so many people and so many modalities to bring us to the ultimate truth how interconnected we are who we truly are and our greatest gifts the gifts that we're tapping into and are soon gonna be the normality for humans of Earth. So Mia Magic is a modern ambassador of ancient wisdom, reclaiming the truth that witch means wise. She guides self-discovery and inner wisdom connection turned with intuition. Also the title of her first book, which I believe just came out, leading the Academy of Magical Artistry. Mia has empowered thousands to unlock this supernatural potential to find purpose and prosperity. Her advocacy for Mother Earth informs her work and teachings promoting a more magical, sustainable world. Mia's expertise is backed by certification in 13 disciplines, including Hatha Yoga and NLP. She facilitates transformative retreats and personal coaching, helping individuals and professionals from various fields to realize their own unique magic. So let's go ahead and bring Mia on. Hi, Mia. Welcome.
1: Hi. Thank you. So good to be here.
0: So good to be here with you, too. And I've been following you for a while. You know, I just love everything that you share. I love the videos that you create, the shorts that you create. Not only is it so much information and awareness, but just like you can feel your heart and everything that you're sharing, you know? And what I love to do to start out is I want to know like your origin story, how it came about. Something I, I often ask is was there a milestone in your life that shifted you into this? Was it kind of, or was it a gradual thing? You know, you were tapped into your psychic abilities. Your parents weren't religious. They cultivated this experience. So how did you become you basically?
1: You know, I think that it's a combination of both of those things. I definitely had a milestone moment. Uh, I almost lost my arm Mm -hmm. when I was 16. I almost became an amputee in a really bad car accident. And that was certainly one of those moments where I had a massive awakening and I was really, I mean, I was totally fucked up on morphine and like all the drugs that they put you on when you're in Mm -hmm. the ICU as a, as a teenager. But I had some really wildly lucid moments. Like, I know I'm here for something bigger. I know that I was saved for a reason. I know that I have a mission on earth. Like, there's something that I'm supposed to accomplish. And I could feel the thread of it being around helping others. <clears throat> So I was incapacitated in my like, you know, high school years, but I could feel as I was in, I was in the hospital for a a little over a month and I could just feel there's some reason that I didn't die. There's something happening for me. Now I did go into a very long period of, uh, denial. My healing process with that injury, um, was deeply emotional and spiritual and incredibly challenging. And the first phase of it was like abject sleeping like i just went into a total denial of my gifts and my powers gifts that i had had since i was a little girl um and and just became like a total muggle i was just like <laughs> let me avoid magic and my purpose at all costs i was miserable i was depressed i was riddled with anxiety i was taking drugs and drinking alcohol and just like not having a very good time but backing up to the origin i was one of those little girls who is just I just lived in my fantasy in my fairy tale books. I was living in a magical world and I would spend so much time reading because I didn't feel comfortable in the world that we live in. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel accepted. I didn't feel like who I was was a yeah, was a worthwhile version of hu- of a human for anyone else around me. So it was like, well, I'm into this stuff that's here in my books. I want to read about magic. I want to feel like I have powers and gifts. And the particular series of books that I read most when I was a little girl it they have literally become so much of what my life is and Mm. and, and has been um the second book is called in in the hand of the goddess she has these healing gifts um there's another girl in the series who like can speak with animals I uh for those who who know me I've had a pretty amazing experience with my cats and taught them, or really, I didn't teach them anything. People were like, did you train them? And no, I just walk with them and I psychically guide them to stay with me. And we walk up mountains with no leashes and hike long trails in Sedona and in the Redwoods and in the Rockies. And we've been all over the place and and doing these magical things together because of the way that I communicate with them. So My origin is in one of the most mystical places in the world as well, in the Redwood Forest in Northern California in Humboldt County. So I grew up in a place where time also operates differently because of these ancient beings. You you drive up and hit, they call it the Redwood Curtain, and the way that time functions shifts. Life is slower because these ancient beings are living there and they are anchoring that frequency of a totally different relationship to time than we have. Mm -hmm. So I started very deeply connected to nature and the earth and the oldest and largest living beings on earth. Then lived in my fantasy and fairy tales loved magic was not as much on like the witch thing that didn't mm-hmm. I didn't know you know I was still programmed just the way all little children are that like witches are bad and evil so when harry potter came out I was like oh I'm going to be a wizard like harry potter you know I'm mm-hmm. not a witch um but it was it was for me it was a very long slow burn i was not one of those instant kundalini awakening okay like i know that i'm a star seed and everything's perfect and this is what i'm doing here it was a long gradual process for me and i think that that's what has allowed me to have such a really grounded and accessible way of teaching this is that you know i can i can support people that go right into it because my my study and my research and the depth of my wisdom is so integrated in who i am but i can also really support people who are feeling stuck and who are on the path and like chugging along and doing their best but it's not working and and that's certainly how my life felt for many years it's like god i'm doing everything i know how to do but nothing's changing, or I'm not mm. seeing the market results that I desire. I'm not living the dream life that I want, and so I just kept going and like clawed my way out of a really dark abyss. Um, and then like a, a had my deep spiritual awakening about six years after my accident when I was like 22, 23, and um, and that was really when the whole world around me started to change. And, and so my inner world changed as well. And then there was nothing that mattered more than finding my purpose, accessing my magic, utilizing it for healing, mm. healing myself, then healing others. And, uh, and now it's built a beautiful business and platform and ecosystem and is yeah, courses and books and all the magic all the time. And it's been such a gift.
0: And That's I really so do
1: credit like fantasy you know, yep, yep. like the stories of magic and nature. And those are the two things that really helped make me who I am.
0: Right. You know, I can relate to doing certain practices over and over and then about seeing results and then maybe falling off from doing them after a few months because you don't see results. So how long did you you keep with these? Was that what it was that you had certain practices to kind of get you out of whatever energy you were in? And did you continue doing it for many years in order to transcend and get out of that?
1: You know, I'm a Gemini, so I like to keep things interesting. I, uh, I get a little bored if I'm, you know, on a, oh, like you must do this particular practice in order to get here. You know, whenever people are like, oh, this way is the only way or this way is the fastest way. I'm like, well, then it's not the way for me.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: um, so I've studied many lineages, many traditions, the Kabbalah, the NLP, the yoga, you know, Bhakti, Raja, Hatha, yoga. Um, all different Vedic and Zen meditation, Buddhism, you know, like obviously pagan witchcraft and rituals, earth-based spirituality, priestess arts, Tantra, you know, I, I really just everywhere I find something that resonates with me everywhere. I find a practice that Mm. supports me in my growth and my healing. I'm going to do it. I don't need to like stick on one path. And some people would say that, well, that's a waste of energy. And, you know, if you, if you spend your time focused on one thing, you're going to get farther and maybe, you know, Mm. but for me, I feel like the kind of teacher that I am, it's important for me to be able to understand many different cultures and traditions in order to welcome everyone in. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not here to be divisive. I'm not here to tell you, you can't be a Christian witch or you can't be a Hindu witch. You can't be a Jew witch, you know, like you can be all of those things. And um, and so for me, my my goal is really to just support people in accessing, utilizing and finding their magic and Anyone and everyone on earth can do that. So, um, yeah, like the somatic embodiment practices are certainly the ones that did the most transformation for me and that I have kept in my repertoire, you know, more of the like tantric, deep, energetic, and elemental alchemical practices using the body to, to find God or, or to connect with the divine, um, that never felt good to me to like disconnect from the body and, and take that out of our spirituality because we are made of the same elements as this planet and, and the universal forces of creation created all of us. And so, um, yeah, so there's, there's been a, it's been a long road and a very wide spectrum of, of practices but for me, the embodiment practices, using breath, using sound, using movement, using yeah. dance, using the, the parts of our subconscious that that need healing or that need connection and communication, uh, those are really the practices that have stuck with me. And I've been studying yoga since I was in high school. So um, like this morning, that was my practice. I didn't do anything else. I just did my yoga, you know, so uh, it really, it really just depends on the day. Like I said, I like to keep things interesting. You know? Yeah, that's
0: awesome. And I'm sure, because like, I know you do retreats, I've seen some of your videos and trailers of you, I think it was in Scotland mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago. Yeah. And um, I, since you've been doing so many modalities, I got a feeling that you might create your own modality by combining all these things together, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's coming. Uh, that's 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 on its way. Yeah, we're looking at what would it be like for me to ordain priestesses, um, really to train people in the tantric Arts, And of course, most people think that Tantra is just about sex, but it's really about bringing Definitely. the same level of attention and awareness into everything that you do in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like that's my that's the backbone of my craft. But the essence of who I am as a teacher is like very earth based and very goddess devoted, which, of course, applies in Tantra. Um, but yes, there's definitely, that's on the horizon. I don't know if it'll be coming this year. We got a lot on our plates this year. My team was just in town uh, for the week and we just had so much fun and crushed and just worked all day, every day and, huh. and got ourselves prepared. But um, like that's time. definitely on the horizon to create my own modality or certification around how I would
0: Yeah.
2: Do
1: trained priestesses because yeah, my retreats in Scotland, I mean, it's, it's like going to Hogwarts, but you know, you get naked <laughs> and you use pleasure and it's all like deeply wildly connected to the earth, you know, we're not like yeah. sitting in classrooms. So, um, yeah, my retreats are absolutely my favorite part of my work and business mm-hmm. because I get to be with people in person and, and do the deep ritual and ceremony right. and magic that creates transformation. So, uh, yeah. So I love your, your psychic hit on that. It's definitely, it's coming soon, but who knows when I'll have the time to do for that.
0: sure yeah, and sure. so i, I want to get into the conversation now about witches priestesses goddesses okay yeah all connected there Yeah, and i'm, I'm deep into ancient history on our platform we do over 50 events a year just on oh. true history and um i'm into the whole witch history and king james and what he did with the witches and all that stuff and you are not only very very connected to your heart but you're very intellectual in what you should convey and i, I just love the information. So I would like to do a deep dive now on, first of all, like what is the definition of a witch? But I'll preface it with this, that there's a lot of people that have a witch wound, right? Because yeah. they've been burned at a stake, something like that. I work with so many people that I sometimes have said jokingly, or but not kind of seriously, that you're a witch, but I meant it in a good way. And yeah. they're intuitive psychics and they actually get offended by it. Yeah. So it seems like you're reclaiming what that really means and shifting it to, you know, taking away all that Christian indoctrination plus some, right? So what is that to you? What is a witch and how does it connect to the priestesses?
1: Well, ultimately, before we would use that word, they would have been the same thing. So Mm -hmm. the witches were the doctors. They were the healers. The priestesses were the nobility. They were the leaders. You know, all civilizations, all traditions Mm -hmm. were matriarchal prior, like pre-Christianity. Even like some of the Greek changed, you know, they, they became a little patriarchal. Like there's, there's a lot of, you know, like history has been changed as we know, especially the King, King James Bible um, history has been changed a lot by the people who were in charge. So there's no way of knowing for sure when all of these particular things happened, I would have loved to have a time machine and go check it out, you know, mm-hmm. but which means wise. And when you talk to people like Matthias to Stefano who remember their past lives and who can really access some of this ancient history in a personal memory, you needed to have the wisdom of the plants, not just to use medicine, but to feed yourself. Like you needed to know what's poisonous, what's medicinal, what's edible. And so having this wisdom of the earth, having this capacity to speak to and connect with and communicate to the natural world, that was one of just the foundational elements that we all possessed. We all knew how to do that, but maybe there was a particular village healer or you know, a particular woman who's like making the best bread, right? We're all like working with the food, not only to survive, but also to heal ourselves. Mm. So that's just the first baseline type of wisdom. And again, because which means wise or one who sees one who knows it's about seeing into the future. Oh, I I see the way that these clouds are blowing. Like this is a new type of formation. Maybe this is giving us some information about the weather patterns that are coming in this season, even still. Like how they choose the next Dalai Lama is by reading the messages in the clouds. Mm -hmm. So, so understanding the wisdom of nature in how it speaks and communicates to us is one of the oldest. I mean, it's it's the oldest form of divination. It's the oldest science on earth. The science that became really the science is astrology, but you know, we've been studying how the world around us is communicating to us and what it's implying since our species gained consciousness in, in a way that's different than animals. And even still, when you look at animals, they're looking around at their environment to understand what's going on for them. So, Witches are, again, like the first place that we would look for someone to help us heal. There was no medicine, it was plants. So you would work with the earth, you would work with the land. Now moving into the priestesshood, same frequency, same type of person, same like feminine leadership in a society or a civilization. Maybe we're moving out from more like villages into a a slightly more, not metropolitan, but you know, like a, a more of a city, right? Londinium and, and Rome, you know these big cities, even Cairo and Egypt, ten thousand years ago, and these okay. priestesses were again, the nobility, they were like higher than a queen. This is who the queen goes to to check in with, and like, hey, what 's going on? I need to understand, I need some information, I need some insight, I need some guidance. This is like the counsel to the leadership and when you look back at ancient Taoist traditions. There's so many, so many different lineages where the priestesses are discussed as being in deep ritual and ceremony, tending to the fires of the goddess. So again, working with that element of fire, reading the fire, scrying through the fire. Again, like we were saying with the natural world, reading the way that the natural world is communicating with us. And then in my lineage, again, like the earth and the, and the Tantra, doing deep Ritual arts, using sexual energy for amplification, manifestation, meditation. And when you look at the true history of Jesus, when we're talking about the church, the reason why Jesus's mother and partner have the same name, Maud, Mary, is because that was a title of the priestesses in Egypt, the mud. It's the same word as the ocean. It's like the cosmic womb. It's this primordial cauldron inside of each of us, kind of like this picture behind us in this, you know, in this background. And so that title meant a queen, a priestess, a woman who had been serving as a vessel for the goddess. That's usually what a priestess was, is she was so devoted to a particular goddess, in this case, Isis in Egypt, known for magic, known for her powers of sexuality, her myths with Set and Osiris, and these priestesses were literally living as direct emanations of her. So what does it mean for me to create magic? What does it mean for me to utilize sexual energy, to charge up my body, to help people heal? And I believe that this is how Jesus was doing miracle healings on people, is that him and his wife, Mary Magdalene, were so charged up. They were so empowered through their ritual, their light bodies, the Ka in, in Egyptian mythology, I'm sure you're familiar, is like the energetic body. It's it's sort of like an extension of our soul, but still inside of our physical vessel or or a little bit extended out from it. And they would charge up their light bodies with so much power and so much energy through a deeply conscious lovemaking connection. And of course, many other rituals, but particularly by receiving that divine channel in union with one another in order to then be able to put hands on someone and create miracles Mm -hmm. and, and allow them to heal almost instantaneously, which is, you know, so many of the stories of Jesus are about creating these miracles. Mm -hmm. And so people just don't know about that because the church has wiped all of that history out. Even Mary Magdalene used to have her own gospel in the Bible and it was all about unconditional love and all about sacred union and how you can use partnership to amplify your own personal power. And I'm sure, you know, any of us who've been in a relationship, we know that that is certainly how it goes. You can, you can use it to rise up or, or get dragged down, um, partnership. And so again, this is kind of like, it's a it's a progression, but it's also all the same, right? They're all just reflecting one another. The witches are on the ground. This is every person who's making medicine, healing their children, healing their family, with what they've got, the plants around them, you know, in the home, in the hearth, in the kitchen, like this is our medicine. Food is our medicine and medicine is our food. Hmm. And then the priestesses, a little bit more metropolitan, a little bit more like, you know, you would have a priestess in that village. She'd be the witch, right? But maybe she's got a little bit more, uh, a little more, you know, notoriety, in a in a larger place right like the oracles of delphi Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we know who they were they were guiding the leadership they were the ones that you would seek counsel from and both of those iterations of the healer of the wise woman of the the village doctor in that way they are just serving the goddess now maybe as priestesses they have a particular goddess that they're serving like we get the term vestal virgins is from vesta That's the goddess of the hearth and home in the Roman tradition. They kept her fires burning always. Great. In Egypt, it's these priestesses of Isis, priestesses to Athena, to Artemis, all of these different goddesses. And that first witch in her home, she's just serving the goddess. Mm. She's there to honor Mother Earth and the eternal frequency of this feminine aspect of creation, because back then, you know, we didn't even know that you needed a man's sperm to make a baby. It would just look like, you know, okay, maybe she had sex like four months ago, but you didn't see any change. And then all of a sudden, like, poof, she's pregnant. Whoa, cool. You know, that's why the goddess, this, this great mother, the feminine aspect of creation was our divine expression. That's why we were matriarchal is because of course we need men. Like we all work together. There's synergy and harmony, but we didn't know that the masculine biology was even a part of creating mm-hmm. life it, wow. we didn't know. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a lot, a lot, we could go for hours, you know? Yeah, but,
0: that's amazing. So, you know, and from doing some research on the time when, you know, witches were now considered demonic because of the book of demonology from king james and what he brought back from denmark and um they were herbalists right they were basically creating uh potions in order to heal and from what you're saying so they had reverence for the goddess they were just in service to the god uh, or the goddess which includes earth as a goddess in itself and then it seems that the priestesses had certain rituals maybe chants techniques tools um even the marys like uh, we did an event called the marys and it was specifically about the the um, Immaculate Conception and the the, um, the traditions that the Marys were using in order to create Immaculate Conception. And it was ritualistic things in order to connect to the divine. So it's like, almost like they had communion with the divine instead of just being of service to it, right?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and it's really, you know, it's just a, I believe that it's just the way that we all once functioned. Yeah, And, and the church did, you know, it really... That's the one thing, like we're talking, I mentioned a time machine, Like that is the one time in history that I would most want to go back to is like, who's that first man? Who is that first one that worked tirelessly to convince everyone else, we must turn against our mothers, we must turn against our wives and our daughters and the people who literally brought us into this world. We must turn against them. They are villains, they are evil like why you know i would love i would love to know the answer to that question um how that happened but you know i don't know if we'll ever ever know but mm-hmm. someone brought something to me another dear starseed brother and he was like well obviously it was meant to happen for yeah. us to have what's happening now cuz it it wouldn't yeah. have it wouldn't have happened accidentally cuz i have all these stories about like oh you know the colonizers came in and wiped out all the indigenous wisdom like how tragic and horrible and he's like yeah, but that happened. So it it had to have been meant to ha- like that was destined to occur. Yeah. What yeah. was going on that was out of alignment for that to be the response? And I was like, whoa, that no one had ever asked me that question before. And it really opened my own mind as well. And it 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 is, it's just so mind-boggling that these people could be so hurt, mm-hmm. you know, so in pain, so maybe denied by the priestess, right? Because back then, even the word virgin comes, it it means sovereign. It didn't Mm -hmm. meant she's never had sex. It meant she's sovereign. It meant you're lucky to enter into that priestess's portal. You are, you are blessed by her energy. You are receiving, you are literally having the opportunity to make love with the goddess because she is so connected to her. And so Mm -hmm. it was a, it was a gift. It was a reward. It was an honor to be with a priestess. And, and that's what that word virgin, it was like, yeah, this is, it's not because she's pure and you're, you know, like taking this thing from her. It's because she is full power and you are getting blessed with that and you are receiving And so, so much of our language and our wording has been turned against us and changed. And it it really is just fascinating to me how you see, like we look at the world today and men who are in pain, who feel disconnected from the earth, disconnected from their feminine side, feel unsafe to have any emotions, right? Those are the ones who are just continuing to perpetuate these horrible patterns and atrocities and, you know, plundering of our planet. And I just, I just we'll never stop being curious. Like who was that first one? What happened to him that he was so devastated that he decided that, okay, you know, if you want to be a woman in power, you're going to die. And if anyone wants to support women in power, they're going to die. And that's just what we're doing. And that's it. And anyone who goes against me, you're going to die too. And here we go. New world order. Like, okay. So,
0: right. Well, you know, the, are you familiar with Cycles of Time and yoga, the Yuga cycle at all? Yes. Mm-hmm. So you know, when you were speaking and before you went into talking about your friend, I was thinking the same thing as well. Like what about you know the Cycles of Time and the, the concept that we go through the great year, the 26,000 years, 25,900 years, and we go through a devolution and evolution in consciousness. And when we go through an evolution, it seems that we become a matriarchal society, but the matriarchy is a a system of balance, right? But there's also the wounded feminine is the wounded masculine. So when I started doing events in 2008, I, I created, I was all about, you know, divine feminine, divine feminine. And I started creating divine feminine conferences, right? And then I started realizing that the masculine is, you know, the patriarchy has been in such control that we forget that we're in the wounded masculine. Right. So then I started creating divine masculine events, divine feminine and started combining them together. Yeah. But, but, but the concept is that we have fallen into this age now that we have have amnesia of our connection to source. And back in those times, we were at a frequency where we kept that connection. And part of it was Earth. Even, you know, just to kind of be silly, like even wearing shoes, socks and having uh, um, being in this apartment on the second floor literally creates a frequency disconnection from Earth right? We're doing these things unconsciously because we're unconsciously living. So now we're in this upturning consciousness and this information is coming back and the goddess never left, but we forgot that it was always here. You know what I'm saying? So it's like what you're doing is really assisting people in remembering their connection to the goddess.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the essence of the witch wound. And, and something that people don't talk about very often is how the witch wound affected men. So Mm. a lot of people Mm. think like, oh, the witch wound just affected women because women were the ones who were primarily killed during the witch trials. And like, yes, absolutely. Some numbers are like as high as 9 million people. That was a massive percentage of our population during that time. Mm. But nobody talks about the fact that if 9 million women were killed, their sons, their brothers, their fathers, their cousins, all of the men in their life whose duty was to protect and provide for them, all of those men now see themselves as failures. Hmm. All of those men now blame themselves for not being able to protect their mother or their daughter or their sister. All of those men now have internalized guilt and shame for not being able to stand up to, you know, four giant guys with swords who just walked into your house and grabbed your mom and put her up on a pyre and she's dead and that's it because she healed a baby last week. And sorry, like- You got to pray it away and you're now feeling so horrific about yourself. And every single one of those families had some masculine in them somewhere. And those, I, I believe those impacts of every single woman who died, who was killed during that time, That witch wound, yes, like, are women afraid to be in their power? Are we afraid to share our magic? Are we afraid to speak our truth and, like, say what we really mean and feel? Absolutely. Mm. But some of those same wounds exist in men and others around, like, we see men who don't feel like they're enough running this planet into the ground in a lot of ways. Obviously, we know that's not going to happen, but... They are like, voraciously, all this greed is like, because they don't feel like they're enough. Because way back then, all these ancestors throughout Europe and in the, you know, in the colonized countries as well, they couldn't protect their
0: Which is the masculine trait of protection.
1: Exactly. And so, so the witch wound exists in all people. It's everywhere. And it is like, that is what my work is about is like giving people permission to reclaim their magic, find it again. It is scary. Like I, excuse me, I'll just share this with y'all since we're live. Like I am going to Davos to the world economic forum. And Mm -hmm. I was going to do this whole like workshop at one of the wellness houses. And the guy looked me up and vetoed me. He was like, nope she's not welcome here. Like, wow. Yeah. Christ is the reason for the season. He is the gift. He is like, I can't believe that she's spewing all this false news. And I was like, Oh wow. Okay. That's the first time that's happened to me in a while. If ever, you know, like good to know. So it is, we're, we're still in a deeply programmed relationship to the divine and to our own magic to our own gifts. And my prayer is that we can all reclaim this deep connection to source. Remember that the divine is alive inside of us. It's right here at every single moment. It's everywhere we look, it's all around us and it's specifically in the earth. It's in nature. We can go out and like you said, put your feet on the ground, just lay upon her and receive the ultimate expression of abundance and holding and support and care and love. And mm. I, I, I so deeply hope for humanity to reawaken and remember that and understand why we have been afraid of our power and why we've been afraid of our magic and why we've been manipulated into believing that we just need a bunch of stuff in order to survive and, and feel fulfilled when that will never fill us. And, and the earth can fill us just by being with her and just by remembering we are a reflection of her and an emanation of her, just like those priestesses. And, and I, I, I see it happening. It is happening. And, you know, like men like you doing this, the fact that you have a male audience, that people are interested in listening to a woman talk about the, the witch wound in all of us. The world is shifting and changing. And I just, yeah, it's, it's so wild, wild. How we got here, and and I, I deeply believe <laughs> that everyone has the opportunity to heal the wound to their wisdom. Because if yeah. we could all remember that, we would not have war. We would just work together harmoniously with one another. Definitely, everyone would have what they need.
0: Yes, I agree. You know, and as we go into this new reality, people call it the next dimension, the next octave. I like to feel. Uh, I think of it as that we can't take our baggage with us through the portal. You know. And so it's like, almost like the analogy I have is like, it's like a singularity, a wormhole. We were on the edge of the wormhole of the black hole for so long, it took multiple lifetimes to go around. But now we're right at the end of the singularity where we're doing the spin around like 20 times in one life, right? Where we're being smacked around the face with the same lessons. Earth is almost like the definition of insanity. We're getting smacked on the face every single day with trauma traumas coming up, opportunities to release, opportunities to release. And the only way we're going to go through it is if we literally leave our baggage in this dimension and then go through the portal. So I feel it's inevitable that it's happening. And because of all the craziness and chaos in the world, a lot of people think it's not, but the craziness and chaos is exposing the underworld yeah. that was always there. And if we need to address it. Right. And I feel like maybe you do some work on the shadow work and going through that darkness as well. And this ultimately like, you know, It's not just staying on one side of the spectrum. It's kind of going into the underworld so that we can experience that fully and then truly embody ourselves in the light.
1: Completely. Literally, like I have my book right here. That's exactly what my book is all about, Intuition. And it is, it's out January 30th, but pre-orders are very supportive. So for those of you listening, you're going to love it. (laughs) Um, But, but it's, it's an exploration of the law of correspondence. So we all know about the law of attraction. Everybody's heard of that, but most people are not familiar with the law of correspondence. And that's the one that states as above, so below as within, so without. Yeah. So what my perspective is on this shadow work that we all get to do is like all those things. And and this is edgy. So for those of you listening that like this hits up against your stuff, I totally get it. This was an edgy Mm -hmm. realization for me to come to as well. But war in the world. How often are we warring with ourselves? How often are we letting an emotion rise up and then shoving it down and making it wrong or letting some, like we want to express something. We want to say something to someone. We have something that's like on our heart and mind right here in our throat and it gets trapped and caught and we shove it back down and we don't let ourselves say it. And it's like the noose around our neck. So many people in my life really Feel that like throat chakra blockage and, and it's like being hung or strangled, right? And this horrible stuff that happens to children these days, people abusing children. How can we think like, oh, if this is outside of myself, I don't, I don't do that. Like I'm not, I don't do, I'm not a horrible person like that. I'm not a child molester. And how often myself included, do we abuse our inner child? Do we not let them have what they want? Do we tell them, Oh, you want to be an astronaut? Like, no, you're too fucking stupid. And you can't do that. And like you would never succeed anyway. So why would you even try? We abuse our inner children. We go to war with ourselves all the time, every single day, even like the person that you, you know, cuts you off and you say, fuck you, you know, like that's a micro warring, aggressive exchange. And so that is what I teach and I do within myself is like, if I see anything out in the world that I don't like, let me look at where I see that within myself. Anytime we're pointing a finger, right? It's like, you got three fingers pointing backwards. Like I can look Mm -hmm. at myself. I must see anything I don't like out here. I must see it in here within myself. And what can I do to change it? What can I do to give it space? You know, one of the big things we do at my retreats is rage rituals because most people have never felt safe to just fully express their rage at all the horrible things that are happening on the planet or the horrible things that have been done to them. Like you're not allowed to even complain about the fact that you've been traumatized or you've been hurt or you've been abused. And so my, the big thing that I really am a devotee of in shadow work is acknowledging that any shadow externally exists internally, but that that means that we actually have more power and responsibility. We don't have to just like feel helpless and hopeless. It's like, no, actually that's an opportunity for me. If there's something out there that I don't like, how can I work on that within myself? How can I find that same frequency and heal or alchemize it within myself? And that's that's certainly what I'm doing during this time, you know, when the world is crazy and I can't justify it and I can't make it make sense, but it is, you know, it is something crumbling, something yeah. being exposed, something coming to light that then, you know, in my work, there's a lot of relationship to the shadow in in religion right that makes it oh it's demonic and it's bad and it's scary and it's like well actually it's hurt yeah. all of our demons are hurt they're coming from some wound some pain so how can i as a healer see what that what that demon needs like what what are you trying to accomplish what are you here for how can i soothe your suffering and when we focus on that, instead of making the shadows wrong or bad or scary or dangerous, yeah. we are, you're unfuckwithable. <laughs> like you, mm-hmm. you're, nothing can touch you. Mm-hmm. And, and I've really learned that in conversations. You know, anyone comes at me and they're, well, you do this and you're bad. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. Like I can totally see how, how you would feel that way and how you would think that. Yeah. I, I grew up with a really critical father. So, you know, I may have accidentally communicated to you the way that he communicated to me. And I so apologize for that. And they're like, you know, you can't, they just can't get you anymore. And so when we take full responsibility Mm -hmm. for our entirety of life as, as the it's creator, Mm -hmm. there's just that's, that's really, in my experience, where the magic happens.
0: Yeah. I often contemplate uh, myself, like, you know, hurt people hurt people, right? So it's like, who was the original person that hurt everyone? Like, you, you think about who was the original dude? Um, who's the original guy that got hurt? You know, even like, you know, to go back to the whole molestation thing, people who are molested molest. Exactly. In many cases, right? Yeah. Yeah. And when they become an adult, it's like they were stunted at that level of exactly. growth. And now they're an adult body with the consciousness of that child, stunted, trying to reclaim their innocence. And it's like they're committing atrocities and we're angry. We we don't want this to happen. They're hurting people. And then it's like they were hurt as well. So it's like how do you reconcile both worlds of being angry but then also getting to a place of that's what we need to eventually change the system so that we can help rehabilitate people into it rather than burn them and throw them away when it comes to all criminal activity right? So it's like, it's a paradox. Something I love talking about is the paradox. And it's something that we need to reconcile. How do you be angry and then also get to a place of inner peace in order for it to move forward?
1: I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why I love Rage Ritual is because it's a safe container. It's an opportunity to give your anger whatever it needs to be heard, Mm -hmm. to be felt, to be seen, to be moved through. And like, that's why emotions, right? Energy in motion. Our emotions, even though rage is definitely like a fiery emotion, our emotions are the element of water within us, right? They are our blood, sweat, and tears and our our sweet waters. And so from my perspective, when you stagnate water, when you damn it, you know, you get Mm. algae and mold and like it gets the bacteria, it's like not safe to drink. You don't want water to be stagnant. You don't want it to be stuck. You want it to be moving and flowing always, always, always eternally in its current. And I believe that emotions are the same way. It's like, if you actually give them space and let them move and have them feel safe to be fully expressed, then they're out and they go away. And I've witnessed that so many times with women with horrible, abusive pasts and histories and just giving themselves permission to say and scream all the things that they were silenced and suppressed from saying, never allowed to express, just giving them that freedom and safety to do it. The forgiveness that you find on the other side, it's like, oh, you know, wow. Okay. That happened. Great. And now what's next? And I I really believe, I've never heard anyone respond to my theory on the the molestation the way that you did, because that's exactly how I feel. It's like, Mm -hmm. if someone had some traumatic event at six years old, and then that's who they're attacking, or that's who they're inflicting this violence upon, it is Mm -hmm. because their inner six-year-old is trying desperately to reconnect with that version of themselves that existed before they were violated. And Mm -hmm. it is- Totally backwards, right? Like it doesn't make any sense to those of us who would never do something like that. But when you're in that kind of pain and you don't go and do the work, you don't know, you have no idea. Some people blame themselves, you know, their, their dad said weird things like, Oh, but it's cause you're my pretty girl. It's cause you're my special girl. And then they never want to be beautiful and they never want to be special, you know? And it's so, it's so important for all of us to look at all of these ways that we can rehabilitate ourselves, that we can work on any of the damage or abuse that we've experienced in a myriad of ways in order to transform the world around us and to really change how we see and experience our reality individually and as a collective. And I think that that really is like, that's some of the most powerful magic you can do. You can do all the rituals and cast all the spells. People are like, hey, how do I like cast a spell for this? I'm like, well, the most (laughs) important ingredient for casting any spell is understanding what your subconscious believes about the possibility of its outcome. Because if you don't believe that you're worthy of that spell coming to fruition, if you don't believe that money is easily manifested, then it's going to be really hard for you to manifest money or this partner or this house or whatever it is that you're working this spell for. And that's why I, I am a healer. That's why it's the main frequency of the magic that I use is because I find that that is the baseline that creates the greatest transformation, obviously, within yourself in order to then radiate out into your external reality.
0: Yes, definitely. You know, in this world of amnesia, forgetfulness, whatever you want to call it, it's like we have the opportunity to be well, first of all, I'm creating a book. I'm in the process of creating a book called We Were Set Up, okay? And in this what we just spoke about is one part of it, right? Mm. And basically it's it's how you can't judge anyone and God yeah. definitely can't judge us because this yeah. reality has been set up in order to inflict certain experiences to traumatize us in order for us to have the ability to transcend and be in the polar opposite. However, we have two options. We can either, because duality, we can become a victim to the trauma and live it out for life after life yeah. or we can become the masters of it, right? And right now is, is a time for many people to become the masters of not just the trauma of Earth, it's actually galactic trauma. We're, we're processing the trauma for the whole galaxy because we are star beings incarnated, you know? So, so I, I resonate with that, definitely. And um, I want to segue now a little bit into, well, actually, one more question about the goddess. I'm curious to know what your opinion is about gender and how it connects to the goddess. And I'll preface it with when I first started, when I started doing Divine Feminine, I was all about females, women, Divine Feminine energy. And now I'm realizing that this gender, uh, this energy transcends gender. So, how do you reconcile, like, the, because you do tantric work. So, it's divine polarity within that as well. Receptive energy isn't just for gender. So, how do you reconcile that? Because many people still feel divine feminine represents actual embodied women rather than a, an energy that transcends that, that includes women, of course.
1: One of my favorite things about my partner, he's like 6'5, 230 pounds, like a big, sexy Viking dude. I was like, baby, I'm a goddess on the inside. And I'm like, yes, honey, you are, you know? And, um, we all have masculine and feminine. It doesn't like I, you know, some people look at me and the way that I've created my business and like, floating and fairy dust and pussy power. And they're like, wow, she's so feminine. And then some people see the way that I'm very assertive and I know what I want and I know how to get it. And I'm not going to give up until I get it. And I'm very clear and very particular. And they're like, whoa, she's super masculine, right? Like we all have such a spectrum and I'm blessed to have had some really amazing training on, you know, gender non-conforming and non-binary people and how this is really just like, they are operating really more in, in alignment with how we actually all are. It's confusing now and people don't understand. And of course, like, you know, the trans movement has had a lot of, you know, uproar and has issues with certain people and people have issues with it. And like, there's a lot of it going on. But from my perspective as a cisgendered woman who loves being a woman who loves my womb and loves my pussy and loves that I bleed and loves my breasts and loves everything about getting to be an embodied goddess. Like I'm here for it. Mm -hmm. We all have the spectrum. So my giant Viking, he has feminine energy in him. He is so sweet and cuddly. And like, he's such a little baby sometimes. And I'm like, you are just a tiny little goddess, like a little teddy bear (laughs) driving this ship, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the essence of our creative capacity Sure, like we can put that in the feminine side, but look at how many amazing men are artists or singers or actors or painters or carpenters even. Like, okay, yes, we think of men like building, but but it's creative to make a home like that or to to bring something from an idea, from this like visionary concept into fruition. That is the creative process. So I believe that we just all have, our own specific and unique balance, right? If it is the poles, if it's like feminine exists on this side and masculine exists on this side, where do you live on the spectrum? And and I do think that the nature of the divine has to be both because I mean, I'm like, is there like one animal like seahorses or something that change their own gender so they can fertilize their own eggs, right? You know, like they can handle it on their own. Everything else it takes two to tango. Like we need the masculine, we need the hummingbirds and the butterflies and the long languid tongues dripping, slurping the nectar out of the flowers. Like we need both. And so I do believe that the way that I operate, obviously I can only speak to my own experience, and I know that there are feminists who are kind of like, you know, fuck the patriarchy and down with it. Like I would be the kind of matriarchal leader who wants men in their power. I want them feeling safe to be in their emotions. I want them safe to express themselves creatively and like to be the artists that they are. I want men to feel so activated in their sexual energy that it isn't just conquesting. It's it's connection. It's intimacy. And I want women to feel totally safe, to feel their emotions, to be in their creative energy, to express what they need to say, to feel safe, to be heard and to be seen. And so like, I think ultimately we all just need the same things and you get to decide as a being of any gender and on the spectrum of your, with, within yourself, you get to choose like what's right for me. Do I, do I need more feminine energy? Like when I was really deeply in my goddess worship, I was celibate for three years before I called my partner into my life. And I was so in my feminine energy. I did not want to do anything that I didn't want to do. I was just, my spiritual practice was like nine hours a day. And like, that was it. And I was willing to be totally broke and be happy instead of have a job that I hated. I just was like, no, I'm not going to do anything that I don't want to do. I'm only going to do the things that turn me on and light me up. And I was like living in my friend's guest room because I couldn't afford to pay rent because I was so in my feminine. And the thing that made me change Mm -hmm. was realizing, wow, if I want to call a masculine partner into my life, this is just for me, right? Some people can stay in that pole, like be as hard in your feminine as you can possibly be and like attract someone who's on the opposite end of the pole and you're magnetized to one another. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to find myself more in the middle of that pole and create balance and synergy and harmony between my inner feminine and my inner masculine. And what would that look like if I could find balance within myself? And it meant I needed more structure and it meant I needed more direction. And it meant that I needed to like build a few foundational elements to create support for myself. Like I, I want, I I was like, I'm living in my friend's guest room. I need a house. Like if I expect a man to have a house, I need a house. So I like got a house and I'd never spent that much money on anything before. And I was like working and manifesting to be able to afford a house and boom, it happened. As soon as I set my intention in motion to actualize my own inner masculine, miracles started occurring. And so I think that that's really the most important thing is just finding what the balance is for you. Mm. How good do you feel? With your work and your play, with your rest and your action, with your your creativity and your ideation, you know the conceptual knowledge, the intellect and and the feeling and the sensual activation and so i 've found a really great balance in my life, and that 's what I believe has allowed me to build a million dollar business on witchcraft and pussy power, like <laughs> never imagined that happening before to get, you know, a book deal with Hay House, which is the publisher that I wanted. And I didn't just get one book, I got four actually. Yeah. And so, um, well, two books and two Oracle decks, but like these manifestation powers, the capacity to make our dreams come true. You can't just be receptive. You have to take the action. You, If you wanna pollinate, right? Like you gotta be the flower and the butterfly. And so um, so I think that that's really the, the opportunity for all of us in this gender spectrum is like, you don't have to be any one thing. And every version of a woman is going to look different. And every version of a man is going to look different. And it's just the sort of programmed, like, you you know, the setup for this is what a woman looks like. And this is what a man looks like. Mm-hmm. It's still toxifying us and making us feel like, oh, if I don't show up like that, then I don't fit into that category mm-hmm. or I don't show up like this, then I'm not allowed to be that, or I can't call myself that, um, or I'm not welcome in society, you know? And, and that's just, a further part of the matrix setup that we're in, that we get to transcend within ourselves and choose our sovereignty in order to move forward past. Mm. And that's a big part of what I do. Like whenever I'm working with women to manifest partnership, which is a big thing that I do Um, been like serving so many high impact women with the love spell that I, (laughs) that I I work with. And a big part of it is understanding your relationship to your inner masculine and feminine so that you can be both, receiving and taking action and and doing the the penetration being motivated yep. to move forward
0: right right and it's knowing really when to go into what energy right and both energies are valid to just happen to have been wounded in many ways and when we bring to the divine level you know who knows what's possible for humanity or we can only speculate but in a good way probably and the way that like you convey yourself because you do tantric work and you would work with the polarities and so, I can see from your videos and the way you convey yourself is like the masculine and the feminine are coming at that um, you know equally with each other, and there was a time on Earth where because you know the hemispheres of our brain are connected to the masculine and the feminine, where both hemispheres were firing at the same kind of connection and I would say the best example of that is Egypt, because in ancient Egypt, they created epic artwork. That was like the laws of the universe you know like the the eye of horus and the the cross intersection of the pineal gland but done through through art right and it was it's almost like we can't even fathom the technology that they had because we are so one-sided on our reality that we can't see how they creatively created and showed us basically how to rebuild civilization if there was ever a reset you know what i mean
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's that pictographic language Mm -hmm. was one of the main aspects of using the feminine side of our brain It's like, it makes sense, right? That's why my book has all these symbols. It's like, okay, what does the serpent mean? What does the eye mean? What does the feather mean? What is the mountain and the cloud and all of these things? It was like, okay, symbol for mushroom means mushroom. Maybe it also means awakening, healing, enlightenment, uh, Mm. activation symbol for cloud. Oh, it means cloud, of course, but it also means, you know, what's clouding your mind or what's in the way of seeing clearly, um, or what's just like protecting you from being burned alive. You know, there's so much like a picture's worth a thousand words. And so when our brains were able to read language with all these different interpretations and like you could read this pictographic story or hieroglyphic story in a way that maybe like you and I could read the same thing and understand the same concept, but it could mean different things to both of us. And when we shifted into abstract language, that's when the hemisphere of our brains really changed because now all of a sudden this mark. And if I add these two other marks to this mark, then this means something different. But if I make this mark the way that it is, and then I add this mark to this thing, then this means this. But then if I change this order of these two marks, it means that, you know, it's just like totally convoluted. Very linear. Pardon?
0: That's very linear.
1: Exactly. But very abstract. It's mm-hmm. like, doesn't, you have to really like put all the pieces together, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively with our letters to make words. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, so that was really uh, the time. And Leonard Schlein's book, Alphabet Versus the Goddess, which is my absolute favorite book, really explores this a lot more. So if any of you are interested in like diving in deep to it, it's a very <laughs> academic style text, but um, I was rapt and totally enchanted by it. And, um, and it talks all about that, how that side of our brain changing is what was really the dawn of the patriarchy. And yeah. you can see in Egypt how the gods and goddesses, everyone is equal There's goddesses that are, you know, 50 feet tall on the side of the pyramid, like standing there looking at the god in and it's equal. And then there's even the ways that one of the interpretations is like the ways that which foot is moving forward. So sometimes they'll have their right foot moving forward on a feminine being. And sometimes they'll have the left foot moving forward on a masculine being like the we're always walking forward in balance with one another. And we're always creating that that. Harmony between our two
0: And yes, So beautiful the, the symbolism Right And even the Sphinx The Sphinx was a lioness Right It's a feminine energy And it was yep. taken to be A masculine So it's, it's interesting When you realize It's not three to four Or five thousand years old And it's like At least twelve 000, Thirteen thousand plus Right Temple of Luxor We just took two tours Of people to Egypt And there's evidence that suggests the Temple of Luxor Is over two hundred thousand years old Yeah there's, there's a whole wall About a cloning process Yeah right what else was two hundred thousand mm-hmm. years ago the anunnaki story you mm-hmm. know so when we start realizing that we've been through cycles of time and you can track these civilizations based on their fall from grace yeah. you can even see when they went from a matriarchy to the patriarchy right and now it's just time to go back up again right
1: that's right just together like rising tides lifting all ships you know yeah. <laughs> and it's like the one empire that never crumbled is the Roman empire. People think that Rome crumbled. And it became the yeah. Catholic church. It's still a lot thriving in little Vatican city with all the gold from all over the world, you know? So, um, it's really time for all of us to just, yeah, reclaim our own inner empire and, mm-hmm. and what we're capable of as star seeds, as emanations of the divine as elemental beings like the earth is your body it's your bones just like the stones and the mountains the mm-hmm. water is your blood and your saliva and your tears and your sweat and you breathe the air that you exchange with all of the trees and the natural world all around you it's the wind within you and there's electricity making your heartbeat and making all of your hormone systems function and your neurons fire that's the fire inside of you and yeah. we are literally made of these same elements as creation. And all of these old civilizations were so well aware of that. And we were utilizing these truths to create miracles and literally anything and everything that we desire to be gods. I think yeah. that's why, you know, from Egypt, who then, you know, was conquered by Greece and conquered by Rome. That's why the gods are depicted as humanoid beings is because we are capable of being gods. We've just been you know, so stripped from that awareness. And like you said, just forgotten.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So before, I want to get into your book in a second here, but right. I want to um, speak about one of my favorite topics really quick. And I don't know if it's going to be a long conversation or if it's going to be short, but it's dragons.
2: Okay? Oh, yes. So um, uh, You're year a, dragon. Ago,
0: right? like a year ago, so I'm connected to the Red Dragon tribe. And a year ago, I had a past life regression where I visited the third star Orion and I went through all of these different experiences where I went through the inner earth to meet a dragon tribe that helped steward the birthing process, you know, cause the womb, as you know, is the portal to, from another dimension and the dragon spirits, the red dragon tribe are the stewards of the souls into the womb. And then I had another regression and all of a sudden I'm on the same planet.
2: Mm. And
0: then I was in a plant medicine ceremony and I'm back on the same planet. So it was three different experiences in one year where all this dragon awareness came the year before the year of the dragon, right? And now all the conversation, like I'm meeting people on the street, I'm talking about dragons. I didn't even realize that my computer, MSI, has a red dragon symbol on it. I have had this computer for five years, right? So I know that you have a connection to the dragon. So I'd love to just like give you the floor and just like share whatever you want about them.
1: Yeah, well, The dragons are the the keepers and guardians of treasure and the OG treasure, the ultimate treasure is the womb, is that portal to the divine energy. And the way that knights are a brotherhood, dragons are a sisterhood. So they are very, Mm -hmm. the the conversation that we just had very much leads into dragon energy, like very sort of, you know, reptilian, not in the, not in the context of the word that we would um, think to use now, but, but they have that like kind of masculine, right? Like scaled, uh, winged, right? Like leathery, the way we think of them would be sort of masculine, but they are all serving the goddess and they are all in that primordial energy of creation in a way that like no other mystical or mythical being is. Um, they're very non-binary, but they're also hyper feminine and hyper masculine. So I, like I work with, I have many, Female dragons that I work with. I don't have, I've had a couple of run-ins with like some masculine dragons, like in Kauai and stuff, but like the the dragons that work with me are like definitely feminine dragons. Um, so one of the things that's very beautiful about dragons is that their heart, their solar plexus, and their womb is like one chakra, the heart womb. It's a portal itself of creation, but the way that we look at those three chakras. So if the heart is the chakra of air and air fuels fire, which is the chakra of the solar plexus. And then that, so that fire, that love, that gratitude is breathed into that which powers the portal of creation, the womb, the the second chakra. And so when I've gathered with other dragon women, I don't know very many of them, but I got a couple of them. And when we all gathered once at Burning Man, the three of us, we just held onto each other, linked our heart wombs, and we stood there and generated a portal and started birthing dragons into the world, which was so amazing. And I love being the kind of person where people, I get texts at least once a week, like, oh my God, Mia, I finally met my dragon. You know, I'm like, great. Um, So for me, I actually met my first dragon in a past life regression as well. And I became the dragon. And I was looking at Mia's higher self but I was the dragon and so it was like this very soul contracted sort of not like love triangle but you know what I mean just like it was all very connected and as the dragon I was sitting there in this very like etheric galactic type of castle and I was I was sitting next to water because I was there was some type of osmosis that I was doing with the water And I was understanding how I relate to light and use that osmosis with the water. Like that's what the breathing fire energy is, is because we are charged by the light, very like solar in that semi cold blooded way that reptiles are like literally getting charged by the sun. That charge from the sun is what can then allow dragons to bend and refract light. So if anyone has seen Pete's dragon, the kids movie, there's some like Pete's dragon and Raya and the last dragon have serious, actual real dragon magic in them. Those people know about dragons because they put real dragon magic in there. So the way that Pete can go, I'm excuse me, Elliot. I hate that name for the dragon. That's like definitely not his real dragon name, but that's okay. Anyways, he can go invisible because he can refract and bend light. And so that's a big part of how dragons operate. If you go into a forest and you see like a dragon face in a tree or something, it's because that's a real dragon and it's just bending itself to make you think that it's a tree. And I have experiences like this all the time, especially in the Redwoods. There's a particular black dragon that I have like had, yeah, some serious experiences with. I've only ever seen a real living actual dragon one time. And she flew or like, you know, that I physically was like 100%. This is actually a dragon in her dragon form and not in her tree form. And I was looking at the full moon and she flew across the moon and it was this huge neck and head. And I'm like, oh my God, is anyone seeing this? And then these giant black wings, you know, the way that we see them with the kind of like fingers, one big wing beat. She's flying across the moon, one other wingbeat, then long tail and she was gone. She was across the moon and I, and she was invisible again. And I asked my, one of my mystery school teachers, I bumped into her at Air One <laughs> at the grocery store and, um, and I was like, Hey, Teresa, Teresa Bullard. Some of you probably know her from, she has a show on Gaia. I was like, I saw a dragon. Like what, how did that happen? And she was like, Oh yeah, of course. Because the light of the moon is already a reflection From the sun. So I'm like, I have full body chills thinking about this. Like I do every time I talk about it. And so because she's not actually having light shining on her, she's just having light reflecting from the sun off the moon back towards your eyes. Like the, the light bending just didn't, you know, it didn't work for that second. You got to see her. And, um, so I was connecting with that dragon and asking her, what's your name? She told me her name was Anora said, beautiful, you know, Started connecting with her. <clears throat> and then someone gave me a black beanie baby dragon. And the beanie baby tag name was Anora. And I almost peed my pants when that happened. Just saying. So, like, they are so out there. I actually did for our New Year's party, I did a little dragon activation for my community, which was so fun um, getting to just share with my friends who like some of them were like, okay, cool. Like Mia's talking to dragons with us. And some of them were like, Mia, like, oh my God, I met my dragon. This was so great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're, they're just such a profound alchemical expression, right? The way that they relate to that liquid fire, um, the waters, the light itself, they are literally an amalgamation of all of the elements. And in my experience, they are the ones who who birthed this planet. They built this planet for us. They wanted to create a perfect planet with all the different elemental expressions, right? The way that like Vietnam and Cambodia and the Philippines look versus Joshua Tree versus the Rocky Mountains. Like, you yeah. know, there's, just, there's something for everyone here. And they wanted to create a perfect planet for us they Mm. wanted to create something from all these worlds you know all these different worlds that they've traveled to all these other planets and they wanted to create all of those ecosystems here on this one Mm. beautiful planet for us and um and that's why they are the keepers of treasure and dragons were present in and as like dinosaurs were not a thing that we mentioned until the 1800s there were dragon masters in imperial china through the 1700s it's very hard for light porous bones, like from beings that fly, it's very hard for them to be fossilized. And so when you look back in art and anthropology and archaeology, we did not have dinosaurs. We had dragons and mm. They existed. Even the word dinosaur was not even a word until the 1800s. We always called them dragons. And I, I think that there's no accident that, you know, during the same time where our mystical powers were stolen or, or suppressed within us, that dragons became this thing that, oh, the knight, the knight who slays this dragon, hey, dragon. He's, he's a hero. It's like, no, dragons are meant to be S-L-E-I-G-H, slay, like ride, Learn how to wield and harness that type of power uh, rather than to be killed. And, yeah. um, you know, even if you look at there's a an old section of a dictionary, dragon, and it says now rare doesn't say mystical creature, mythological beast. It says now rare, because just like if I'm sure you've read the book Sapiens, just like humans have done all over the, the planet to the mega fauna like the largest creatures and beings whenever humans come in those animals either become extinct or they move on and they are no longer found in those areas and so it's very obvious from all the like saint george and whoever like killing the dragons that just wiped them out physically and so they've had to change the way that they relate to relating with us and it's Mm. such a way to help people reconnect to them because There is a dragon for every person on this planet. I have so many dragon guides and guardians. They are like my guardian angels. They are my teachers. They've done psychic surgery on me when I have been at the edge of needing healing and, and like can't, you know, that question we talked about at the very beginning, like I can't figure out something isn't working. Something is wrong something's not happening and they come in and like slice it out of me with etheric (laughs) talents. It's pretty serious, you know? So, um, they're definitely my, my greatest teachers, um, Mm -hmm. in the etheric realms and they do, you know, they are here for the treasure, which is the wisdom, which is our magic, which is our power and our creative capacity to access our own divine nature. And so they're, they're always here to support with that. And I, I hope that this conversation sprinkles dragon magic all over everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, beautifully said. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, they are coming back at this time. And from my regressions, I realized that they, were the, um, they have such little to no ego that they didn't need acknowledgement for all the guidance and support they're giving. And I also saw that when you're born, you're assigned a dragon, and my dragon, his name's Kumpala, the red dragon, was my mm. cousin from the Dragon Realm. And I saw myself as a little white year old, two, a white two year old girl, right, mm. I'm playing with the dragon like a dragon thing. And then all of a sudden, I see this dragon going in and out of me, around me. Mm. And long story short, I, I got this awareness that the dragons, you know, so many civilizations, and they all have different roles, but this specific one would come with the soul and stay with the baby for the first three years of their life. Mm. And they would basically be their imaginary friend. They would morph into different things. They were kind of the buffer from the traumatic experience of being incarnated from the souls. Right. Mm. And, Mm. and then when you turn three years old, they coil up in the heart and they wait in the heart for you because you're meant to uh, somebody said to me, Oh, can you make sure they don't coil up? And I said, no, it was meant to be, that they were supposed to coil up because they've said, now you're on your own. But don't forget, we're resting and sleeping in your heart. And the whole purpose of humanity is to awaken the dragon heart. However, we go through incarnation after incarnation after incarnation, we don't wake it up, right? Yeah. And the, when I asked them, said, why are you coming back at this time? And they go, well, it's, we need to let you guys know we're here so you can awaken the dragon heart. There's no holding back. You can't um, not do this at this point. The evolution of humanity depends on it. So that's what I was getting from it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm like, I got the, I got the download. This like, this is the year we slay, S L E I G H. Yeah, like that. Dragon. This is the year. Like, we're not trying to kill our demons or our pain or our shadows or our sadness. We're this is the year that we learn how to ride them. You know. Yes. So that's what I'm here for.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about your book. Your book just yeah. came out. And I would love to know, it's a, first of all, when my uh, assistant told me the title, I was like, epic title, like Intuition is such a great name for the book. So let, let us know what it's about, you know, what people can expect if they're going to read this.
1: Yes, absolutely. So this is a beautiful, deep exploration, again, of the law of correspondence of as above, so below, how the language of the universe communicates to you. That's why there's all these little symbols on it. So it's a deep dive into each of the elements. So earth and water, air, fire, and spirit, lots of Tantra. Every chapter has at least one or two rituals at the end. So there's different practices. I also read the audiobook myself. It's actually out January 30th. So it's not quite out yet, but the, um, pre-orders again are super supportive for first time authors. And it's really just about finding your magic and being able to understand how your life and the universe is communicating with you at all times and giving you an opportunity, not only to listen and follow your intuition, but also to read the messages and be able to learn this language and understand how all of these symbols are speaking and communicating to you in order to then empower you to communicate back to the universe in return. And so this is a, it's a collection of the work that I do with people, lots of rituals that we do at my retreats. And obviously it's, a whole different ballgame, like reading the book and doing it together. But um, yeah, it's going to be a very transformative experience for anyone who reads it. And it's been such a gift um, that I've had some of these early copies and my friends who've read it are just like, oh my God, I learned so much. And there was one girl I gave it to while I was in Tanzania on safari. And we're literally in a Jeep out looking for lions and elephants. And she was just reading my book and like underlining things. And putting, folding pages down. And I was like, girl, we're on safari. She was like, I'm totally enchanted. I'm, I'm absolutely enraptured. I was like, okay, great. So it's a really powerful text. It's a lot of like going through the different colors and the numbers and the astrological archetypes and how you can work with each of these different energies and frequencies in your own life to create lots of magic and manifest your dream life coming to fruition. And this is how I did mine. (laughs)
0: Beautiful. And when when's the book coming out?
1: It's out January 30th, but you can pre-order it now. It's available wherever books are sold all over the world. Um, and again, I did do the audiobook version myself as well. So I can oh, read nice.
0: It. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So I'd love for you as we're closing out here. Yeah. Uh, just to share a vision and let's send that out in the ethers, a vision for humanity. And let's just all, you know, receive this download and amplify it with all the beacons that are listening to this right now.
1: Oh My prayer and vision for humanity is that we reclaim the true gems of wisdom and power and magic and connection that we are so capable of accessing within ourselves and with each other that we remember this is the year to slay the dragon, to ride the dragon, to accept our shadows and our pain and feel comfortable and safe alchemizing them. And that we work together in harmony with our masculine and our feminine, with all of our creative gifts, with every single part of our souls and ourselves, feeling safe, experiencing compassion, being accepted, and that the powers that be that rule and lead our planet find healing for themselves so that then healing and health and well-being and wellness are the markers of our society's success. And that those are the goals and the efforts that we put forth our greatest energy and commitment and devotion and that we can live in a world where we can ride on dragons in this lifetime and feel whole and complete within ourselves and synergize our lives with the lives of everyone around us. And so it is.
0: And so it is. And so it is. And so it is. Yes. Mia, thank you so much. It's been really nice talking to you. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, you too. I appreciate everything you're doing. You're Absolutely incredible. And doing some amazing work, your frequency comes through and all that you create. And I just appreciate that we have this time together.
1: Thanks, brother. I appreciate that so much. So fun to do it live. Thank you all so much for listening. What a fun conversation. And yeah, I'm so blessed to to be sharing this magic. You know, this is really... I'm just doing it for my inner child. This is what yeah. she needed. This is who she needed to <laughs> be. the best to way lead, to do it. You know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. just, it's, all, it's all for those little children inside of us. You know, we just wear these adult bodies to play pretend. But we're exactly. all just, just little star seeds inside. So that's who I'm doing it for. So thank you so much for sharing magic mm-hmm. here with me, Neil. I appreciate that so much.
0: Thank you, Mia. Looking forward to connecting again. Take yes.
1: Care. Bye. Okay.
0: All right, everybody. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Before we close out, I'm just going to give you a quick announcement. First of all, thank you to Mia. Share this around uh, wherever you can. And um, uh, we're going to be talking about the Glastonbury Conference now. First of all, I did share in the beginning of this, for those of you who just came in um, during the presentation, that in about, let's see what day is it today, it's the 6th. On the 12th, in six days from today, we have, the ultimate star beings conference. Okay. And I showed the trailer, but I think I cannot do it justice without showing you the website. So here we go. I'm going to show you the site. It's a completely free event four days. We have like over a thousand people signed up just for the Streamyard room. And we're also going to be um, on YouTube. Alan Steinfeld's new reality, YouTube portal to ascension, YouTube portal, to Ascension, Twitter, Facebook pages, Instagram. We're going to be live in many places. And you can go to portalsacentral.org, upcoming events, and click on the, I think it's the first one, Ultimate Star Beans. An exploration, an expose of extraterrestrial races that inhabit the universe. Friday 12th to Monday 15th. Free or by donation. So sign up on the website and or subscribe to our channel. Click the notification bell and you'll get notified because we're going live every single day on our channel. On the 11th, January 11th. We're doing an all-day panel day, an all-day panel day on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash portal to ascension. We have the Experiencer panel. We have the Galactic Origins panel. And we have the Ascension panel. This is what we're going to do in order to create the energy moving forward into this actual conference, okay? We're going to go and have amazing discussions for the whole day, and then we're going to go into four days, eight to 10 hours a day of this conference here, free or by donation, so sign up on the website, some people, Mary Rodwell, Jardina Roscoe, Craig Campovosa, Phil Gruber, Althea Lycos, Rebecca Hardcastle, Marissa Starseeded, Sandra Walter, of course, Alan Steinfeld. So check it out on the website. And then the last thing I'm going to share with you all, let's stop this share here and get to it, is the Ascension Glastonbury Conference. And this is going to be, this is our second annual conference in Glastonbury, September 27th to 29th, 2024, Glastonbury Town Hall. And it is truly going to be so incredibly fun, powerful, impactful. There's going to be tours, Ancient Avalon, King Arthur tours, the two days before the conference. Then we have three days of a conference where we have Laura Eisenhower, Tim Tactics, Magenta Pixie, Adam Apollo, Sarah Cosma, Rexman Cosma. Maria Wheatley, Oliver Huntley. Some amazing people are going to be a part of this. The days, as I said, the two days before, we have the um, tours. On the Monday, we have post-conference workshops, you can see right here. And then on Tuesday, we're doing the Stone Circle tour of the south, what is it, the southwest of England. So it's, it's like a conference, a tour, a retreat, an experience, you know, all of that combined in one. So if any of you guys are interested go to ascensionglastonbury.com and check it out there and the other events ascension.org. so thank you all so much for tuning in i love that we ended it with the dragons you know my favorite topic as of late appreciate you all have a beautiful rest of your day wherever you are and see you soon thank you so much for tuning in to portal to ascension radio Be sure to visit portaltoascension.org to to access our extensive library of presentations and sign up for exclusive content, and connect with us on Instagram at portaltoascension. Now is the time that we've been waiting for, and we exist to assist in laying the foundation for a new world that works for the upliftment for all of humanity. Until next time, continue the quest, push the boundaries of your understanding, and we will all ascend to greater heights.